I'm Tiziana Deering. You're listening to Radio Boston. And now, Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harreau is pushing reform in prison, in jail. In 2022, he beat an incumbent who had a quarter-century reputation for seeking to make life unpleasant for inmates. Harreau's latest reform, expand a program providing addiction medication. Now, one year into office, he's joining us to talk about it. Sheriff, welcome back to Radio Boston. Thanks for having me on, and a good catch on distinguishing the difference between a jail and a prison. Thank you. I caught it one word too late, but <laughs> but I did catch it. So yep. your office announced earlier this month that it would be expanding. This The long uh, phrase for this is Medicated Assisted Treatment and Directed Opioid Recovery, Matador, sometimes called MAT for short. Um, yes. It provides inmates struggling with opioid addiction some medicine. First, uh, tell us briefly what this is and does. Okay, so this is a program that um, was in place uh, prior to me getting here, just to be clear about that. But it is something that was only offered to uh, inmates who came in with a prescription for this medically-assisted treatment program. And what it is, is for people who have opioid-based addictions. And it's it's like a step-down process with counseling as well. Uh, some people are critical of these types of uh, approaches where you're substituting one addiction with another. But the first addiction is something that's being that's um, not medically supervised and it's not part of a step down process. Whereas this is, you know, we'll try and wean somebody off of their addiction. So that it's basically what we were doing before was just offering this to inmates who had been participating in this type of medical program in the community. Now what we're doing is we're inducting inmates who are in need into the program. So a couple of things for our listeners just to understand. So what we're talking about are the kinds of medications like methadone, uh, buprenorphine, uh, naltrexone, which is also known as Vivitrol. So they people may have heard of those, especially methadone, as the kinds of transitional treatments people who are experiencing addiction will have. Before, as I understand it, you had to be within 90 days of release and have a prescription. You're expanding it to within 120 days of release. And also part of this, if I understand it, Sheriff Hero, is um, if you don't have medication like this um, and you're experiencing an opioid addiction, you go back out, you're actually more vulnerable to overdose if you use again coming out. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, this is um, a a drug addiction treatment program that has been peer-reviewed, published in the journals um, as an effective way to get people to, uh, you know, cease their addiction. And it doesn't always work on first try with everybody. Some people say, oh, well, I know somebody who went through that program and it didn't work for them, so it doesn't work. It's like, no, no, more people are better off as a result of having participated in this. But you're right, though. We expanded the um, the number of days and the number of people participating in this. Um, we, you know, since the, we like, expanded this, um, we've inducted 28 people into the program that wouldn't have otherwise gotten this treatment. Uh, 17 of them are still here, and 11 of them have been released back into the community. But that's that's 28 people who are going to be better off, and hopefully we won't see them come back in because it's, it, we're also going to continue on with that continuity of care and make sure they're set up and continue with this treatment back in the community. 
I'm curious about reaction from two different groups, Sheriff Hero. On the one hand, corrections officers, law enforcement officers doing arrests, um, and on the other hand, families of those who are experiencing addiction and find themselves in jail. Uh, are the reactions supportive on both sides, different on each side? Tell me about the reactions you're getting to this. I think there's more individual differences um, you know, within those two groups than there are between the two groups. So you're going to have some law enforcement uh, like professionals, correctional officers, police officers, uh, you know, prosecutors, defense attorneys. Some are, most, mo- some are going to be in support, some are not going to be in support. So you're going to have that diversity, in the, even within families, because sometimes politics and you know, your lack of information or your lack of understanding about a program will influence what you think about that program. Um, but generally, it, it's, it's supported, and the research is very clear about this. There are, like I said earlier, there are some people who say, well, you're just substituting one addiction for another addiction. It's like, yeah, well, it's not quite that simple because the the uh, what we're doing is we're you are giving inmates, uh, people in the community who are on this program, an alternative that helps them step down. And you know, yeah, you've used that term "step down" a few times, and it it, mm-hmm. it, it it's, and again, we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Hero. We're starting here with this move to expand um, a medication uh, access to medication for those experiencing addiction program. What is the goal for you here? Is it recovery? Is it safe transition out of jail? Given your purview, what's your goal in in expanding this program? The goal is to provide treatment to people who need it. That's the goal. And so that is if people were getting a MAP program in the community before they ended up getting locked up, we want to make sure they continue on with that treatment. And if they are here, then and they're going to be released. Once again, continue with that treatment. If they were had some type of addiction in the community and now they are here and we're actually inducting them and we're finally getting them the treatment that they need, our goal is, again, to continue with that treatment after release. And there's a lot of different things we're doing here at the jail that weren't done previously that help facilitate that continuity of care where inmates um, are, we're really trying to focus on getting them housing, healthcare, and a job upon release, you know, before they're released. And healthcare includes mental health and substance abuse. But that, in a nutshell, though, the goal is to continue the treatment, whether they started it outside or they started it here, but just to continue that to the point where they don't need it anymore. So that gives us a chance now, uh, Sheriff Hero, to step back and look at your first year. You just said, you know, we're focused on providing, helping people get housing, health care, and a job upon release. You're talking mm-hmm. about helping people stay in treatment. Um, th- there's a whole philosophy about how you see the work of a sheriff, how you see the work of our jails. In that, and again, you you know you ran against a 25-year incumbent who had you know as he was very public about a very clear view of the role of the jails in Bristol County, which was an uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable place for inmates. Um, and I, so I want to talk about these reforms, and I'm going to start with some testimony that Hampton County Sheriff Nick. Kochi, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, who's the vice president of the Massachusetts Sheriff's Association, gave to the state legislature in 2022. And he said that roughly 75% of the inmate population in the county jails now require addiction and mental health services. And so I'm wondering, are are you arguing that the job has changed, that the role of our, our county jails has changed, and, you know, it's a different job now than it was 25 years ago? 
Yeah, I think even 25 years ago, the um, addiction and mental health issues were uh, just as egregious as they are now. It's just I think it's becoming a little bit more clear with the public consciousness that that's what we're faced with. Um, but yeah, the 70, I usually say 80%, but 75, 80% is the same thing uh, of our population does have mental health or and or substance abuse issues. And we have... Uh, I have 700 inmates here at my jail. 650, 700 fluctuates. But the um, these are people who live here. And when we release them, with the exception of the awaiting trial folks who are going to get sentenced to life in prison for murder, which we have some of them awaiting trial here, um, it, it's safe to say that probably more than 99% of the people we have get released back into the community at some point. My job is to make sure that they're released in better shape than when we got them. Why? That's why we call it. Why is why that it, your job? That because it's a, it's a public safety issue. I'm, you know, my title is sheriff, so I'm a public safety person. That's one issue. The other issue is that it's, it's just the right thing to do. I and mean, we have a captive audience, like they are here for set amounts of time if they're sentenced or if they're awaiting trial, we still are going to be expanding our services to the awaiting trial people. Um, but it's in everybody's interest. It's in our interest as taxpayers to not have them come back, so we want to release them better off. It's your interest as a citizen because you don't want people uh, going back into the community uh, reoffending in one way or another. It's in our interest as just who we are as a community, and you know, here in Bristol County or in Massachusetts, to basically demonstrate that we are taking care of people who need to be, you know, helped out. A lot. So it, it's really a philosophy and. Some people say, well, you know, Paul, you know, Sheriff, do you believe in second chances? It's like, yeah, I do. But I also believe in getting a first chance. And some of the people that are here never had that first chance. They they were locked up, you know, when they were kids. They they grew up behind the eight ball with the lack of support they had, lack of bad, good parenting. So it's, it's an overall philosophy. I'm intrigued by this. And I'll note that we just had a conversation with a representative from the Massachusetts Office of the Child Advocate who laid out mm-hmm. some of the same research you're citing. And I'll also ask you a question that I asked uh, her as well. There will be those who say, what about the debt to society piece? Where does, where does that fit? Okay, so uh, first of all, let's talk about what research means. Research, just for the audience, and I, WBUR listeners are well-educated, but research means that it's been peer-reviewed. Um, you know, you've got a treatment group, you've got a control group, and you, know, you can see the difference in outcomes when the treatment group and the control group are roughly the same. Research doesn't mean, well, this person over here is doing it and this person over here. That's not really research. That's just kind of an anecdote. But as... Um, you know, to your other point, though, what was the other question you had asked? Because I always like to make that point about research. It was debt to society. Thank you. Debt to, so you incarceration serves multiple purposes. Uh, one of them is punishment. One of them is deterrence. One of them is incapacitation. Um, so that there's, those are three. And then you have general and specific deterrence as well. So when people are, and then you also have rehabilitation, which would be a fourth one, unless you want to call general and specific two different ones. But you do have your punishment and you do have your rehabilitation aspect. So when somebody is locked up, we are punishing them if they're sentenced. But while they are here, we want to make them go back into society or do the best we can, go back into society better than when they arrived. Um, And as far as programs that work, a program that works, just to be clear for the audience too, 
a program that works is going to reduce recidivism by 10 to 15 percent. It's, there is no such thing as a program that reduces recidivism by 100%. It doesn't exist. Anybody who says that is just, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, but fewer people will come back into our jail, and therefore we will spend less money and there will be less crime if we can reduce recidivism. And that's what our aim is, to do, reduce it using these um, evidence-based methods. You've come in and made a lot of changes fairly quickly. You intend to close the Ash Street Jail. You've, yeah. You're hiring more corrections officers. You've added implicit bias training and de-escalation. You've changed the use of canines uh, in the in your facilities, lots of changes. Um, so two quick remaining questions for you. Mm-hmm. The first is, has anything caught you by surprise, really stymied you uh, in what you're trying to do? <laughs> um, okay, what has caught me by surprise? You know, it's when I was campaigning, I didn't campaign on a lot of the things that the um, advocates were uh, like, camp- like uh, complaining about or angry about. You know, I campaigned in my own set of issues, but I think probably the the biggest challenge that the public didn't really know about this organization was the personnel issues. Uh, you hear about, okay, morale is low, but really that underlies so much of what was going on here. Um, among the, corrections this, officers? Among, yeah, among corrections officers. The, 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 that was just the, the personnel um, issues, disparate treatment. This one gets paid this and that one gets paid that. This one gets promoted without even getting a, um, like an interview panel. They just arbitrarily got promoted because they participated in, you know, they were, they were a favorite of somebody. That stuff really was going on and trying to clean that up has been a big challenge. So let me uh, uh, just, yeah. thank you for that. Let me just ask you my one other question. So mm-hmm. you ran against an incumbent who'd been reelected a number of times and arguably was kind of diametrically opposed, opposed to your approach. Now, You've said that if you run again, you'll only serve two terms. If you do run again, what do you need to convince the Bristol County people of so that they'll elect you again, given that they also elected the other guy a number of times? I think that the first most obvious thing is the attention, not attention, excuse me, the coverage I'm getting in the media is not negative. The, you know, the, the high profile things like the suicide rate or the, uh, you know, the, the continued use of Ash Street, those were high profile. But and they, Bristol County jails, by the way, were known to have one of the highest suicide rates in the state. Sorry, go ahead. We had the highest rate. We're actually, we were three times the national average, that our rate of suicide. But in fact, today at 10 o'clock, I had my monthly meeting with my suicide task force. We hired a consultant. He came on. He looked at our practices, gave us 23 specific recommendations to make this uh, organization uh, like less prone to suicide. So we're doing all these things differently, 23 very specific things. Um, so I think when it comes time for re-election, if I decide to go for another term, it will basically be saying, okay, look what happened with our suicide rate. Look what happened. It went down. You know, look what happened with Ashtree and the associated expenses that went down. Look what happened with the um, reentry efforts. Those went up. Look what happened with morale. That went up. Um, So there's going to be very tangible things I can point to. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, I guess campaigning starts about four years from now. Yeah. You know, that's quite a ways away. But th- these things, these, the things that I campaigned on are sure. things we're actually doing. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to end us there. But thank you so much for your time today. Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow, appreciate you joining us.
Thanks for having me on. And if you or someone you love is experiencing a mental health crisis or thinking about suicide, you can call or text 988 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Joining us now, WBUR senior correspondent Deborah Becker, who follows our criminal justice system. Deb, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. So just reactions to what we heard uh, from Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro one year into his tenure and a pretty big reform agenda. Right, right. Well, it was, I think it was interesting to hear him say that his philosophy really is to help people in his custody, help them get on a, a better path, and that 99% of the people, he would say, will be released back into the community. So that help ultimately will protect public safety because people are going back, so why not use their time while they're incarcerated to help them change their life or turn their life around. So I think that it's uh, we're hearing more and more of this among folks in corrections, but I, I wouldn't say it's it's prevalent yet, but it was interesting to hear him articulate that philosophy. So Deb, that was a question. Is the sheriff pushing Bristol County into the mainstream here or pushing Bristol County out into the reform edges? I, I would say it's it's becoming more mainstream. I, I really would. I think uh, when you when you opened the discussion about uh, medication assisted treatment for addiction, uh, this is something that's been going on for quite some time. And as Sheriff Haro pointed out, uh, uh, offering these medications to folks in Bristol County was something that was implemented under his predecessor Thomas Hodgson, uh, who is very different uh, than Sheriff Haro. So I. Do do think that it's becoming uh, more widely accepted that we should consider correctional facilities as places where people should be able to get help, and also that we should consider addiction as a medical issue that requires treatment. So what else to watch now uh, as uh, Sheriff Haro goes forward? I think it'll be interesting to see how he implements some of these reforms. He mentioned some of the efforts that he was doing to try to reduce that high suicide rate in Bristol County, and I, uh, he's got a list of reforms that are going to cost money. So will this, in fact, uh, will he be able to do that and to get the money from the legislature needed to make some of those reforms? I think we'll be watching for that to see how it goes. WBUR's Deborah Becker. Deb, thanks so much. You're welcome.